Well, this is, I, I think this is like the 16th or 17th um, state of play we've done. Mm. But uh, it's, we've been trying to do this for a little while, but um, we've been so busy watching films, Rupert. Um, you don't play games anymore because uh, you said, and I quote, they're for stupid little kids. <laughs> yeah. so, a stupid kid, and you haven't done anything. Um, I'm hoping, actually, that we can just use that time to spend the entire episode just talking about the back catalogue of Dream Theatre. <laughs> <laughs> Dream Theatre. Did they, did they do Operation Mind Crime? Oh, they did one called, some really convoluted title called, um, what was it, Metropolis or something like that. And, the Intensity uh, of Glass or something? Yeah. It was, it was weird. I did actually listen to their like most lauded album. Um, and I thought it was very, technically it was very competent, but then they'd have these crushing moments of just real like mawkish <clears throat> sentimentality in the middle. It, suddenly it would all break down and it would just be like really, really like it would suddenly turn into an episode of One Tree Hill or something. It was amazing. I just thought, wow, that is a juxtaposition. I, yeah, I haven't listened to, um, well, I've never listened to Dream Theater, but I had a friend who was a lot older than me used to listen to them. And I remember him putting on like Operation Mindcrime. And it would, it would, uh, this is going back to when I was like 15 or 16, but it would have like, um, like you say, kind of um, really like sort of operatic overtones. And then all of a sudden it would just go into these like really emotive, like furrowed brow guitar bands, like real slow half speed drums. And you think, this is just really. <laughs> sorry Brett the actual full title of the album was Metropolis Part 2 Scenes from a Memory so there you go oh my god was that before or after Operation Mindcrime I don't know <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was my one that was my one moment um, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway yeah we're probably not going to spend our time talking about that I would guess we, we just did a couple of minutes on it. I mean, that'll, we did, we? We'll the frog we stretch out. it out for another 58. <laughs> like the album. <laughs> <laughs> One track. So, yeah, I mean, I've got, because we haven't done this for a while, we've been focusing on the Kino Kingdom stuff. We've done, I've sort of built up um, a list of 12 games, but obviously a few of them are indie games, which will only take a few minutes to kind of cover off. Yeah. And a few of them are obviously AAA titles like mad experiments escape room yeah. um, <laughs> yes we so uh, so shall if i'll it is good as we'll as we'll discuss at length um there's a new episode of that up by the way this a free episode oh, really? this month, so you know what we have to do yeah we're gonna be doing that um, so the ones i've got are the last sky what the golf TikTok, a tale for two mad experiments escape room red aces wings of the sky liberated Isle of Spirits, Crackdown 3, Red Dead Redemption 2 Online, Payday 2, Rage 2, and Kingdom Come Deliverance Revisited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've played a few of them, so hopefully I'm going to chime in. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I, I've only got a handful myself, so I'm, ju- I'm just going to be talking a little bit about Animal Crossing, Streets of Rage 4, Bomb Chicken, Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom, and Wild Guns. Nice. That's a good mix. That is a good mix. Up to date, all AAA titles. <laughs> well, I uh, what I've done here, I've I can the first kind of three, I can just sort of riffle through because they're yeah. kind of ones you you aren't familiar with. I don't think, and that would bring us more in line because Mad Experiments we've both played. Yes. Okay. Good. <clears throat> so I'll quickly smash through these. So the the last sky is um, a game we got through Game Freezer, the Mighty GF, um, and it was. 
I was intrigued in it because we've got a, li- a huge list of PC games, and I don't tend to review PC games because I've had trouble in the past with my PCs knocking on a bit now, and I hate getting a game, installing it, and then, of course, you're trying to review it, and it's it's not running properly or as well as it could, so you're kind of, nah. So I tend to avoid them, but this one was uh, an indie game that clearly would run on my PC. So it, it's a sort of... I wouldn't say experimental. It's more of like, you know, you play games that are sort of sub, like around an hour long or less, and they almost feel more like um, prototypes of a finished yeah. concept. Well, this is kind of one of those, which it's um, it's presented as sort of um, an old man in a, in a, in like a really sad room. And you basically go around the room clicking on things and like having flashbacks to memories of when his wife was alive. (laughs) (laughs) But every now and again, it's interspersed with these kind of uh, fantastical brief um, sort of 2d platforming sections that where you sort of your younger version of yourself floating through collecting orbs that represent memories and stuff. And, it, although it's only about 45 minutes long, it does a bit of point and click in, a bit of the two-dimensional platforming. It's got quite a nice little story about uh, nostalgia and like how basically how dangerous to kind of hold on to these memories and, and not move forward. And it crams a lot into like 45 minutes. But it's one of those things that it's hard. To, I don't know how much it is, but you think it's an interesting little thing to play. But mm-hmm. I'd be more interested if all of those things were fleshed out into... Right into you know a fuller a fuller game but it's a really nice i think it's the developers i haven't got the notes here in front of me but the developers first game and it right. is pretty nicely put together um, yeah sounds so like it, interesting. it sounds like michael haneke's amour in game form an old man <laughs> doddering around his apartment <laughs> oh really yeah did michael haneke did he also do um oh that you know funny games funny games oh yeah yeah and oh. and the american remake weirdly tim roth obviously yeah Tim Ross, um, yeah, that was a dark film. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of his films have really been knee slappers, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't. I'm not really familiar with his oeuvre beyond funny games, so yeah. Well, I, I, I yeah, I watched them more at the cinema, and uh, how sad that was. It's just essentially a man going around just watching his wife die, essentially. Oh. Yeah. Okay, was it, was it a Christmas Eve showing? <laughs> yeah, it's one for the kids. Um, so yeah, that was the last guy. Really cool little sort of um, I want to say experimental game. Yeah. It's like a little vignette sort of thing. Yeah. Um, what the golf was a more fully fledged game, and obviously I have a rule wherever the word golf pops up because I do like golf. Um, and but I also kind of like taking the piss out of golf because I, although I play it myself, I can see how other people would look at it and think, "Wow." That is boring. So, so I quite like games that kind of poke fun at it. And what the golf was um, an example of that because, while it ostensibly is a golf game, it's it's more of like a kind of warrior way based around uh, with a more sort of physical bent as opposed to um, tiny mini games. They are mm. th- there's about a hundred or hundred and fifty levels in there, and they're just kind of really wacky. Everyone is you've got to get. You know, you've got to touch the flag stick with an item, and it starts off being a ball. Then it's the club. Then it's your you hurtling your actual golf around these sort of um, simple, almost sort of mini golf esque maps. And then it just completely takes off, and you're just throwing houses around and trying to get a vase through a hurricane and exploding barrels and, and up to the green. And it is fun. I, it was one of those games that you think I'll just play it for like 
15, 20 minutes serious like, and then when I've got a bit more time, I'll come back to it. Boom, five hours later, I'd 80% in the entire game. <laughs> so, it, I, I, and I think I, said, I mentioned it in our WhatsApp group when your brother um, really enjoyed it as well, which is cool. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it is a fun, it's effectively a collection of mini games, but yeah. it's got a really good sense of humor about itself. And it doesn't feel like zany for the sake of it because the, the actual like physics and the mechanics of the game and the presentation is really top notch so it doesn't feel cheap yeah there's something about golf games that lends itself to kind of wackiness somehow in a way that other sports don't generally like there aren't as many like like wacky kind of football games or something stuff like that i don't know there's something about golf which really lends itself in this I think good it's history of them sort of stayed the way the, yeah. the, the classic view of golf is like a load of a load of rich white men spending a fortune on things yeah. it's just this kind of really elitist club yeah so, and you, you you kind of your memory of watching golf as a kid is just endlessly looking at shots of the sky and not being able to see the ball properly and that's, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah <laughs> to bring it out of that is quite um i quite I, I gotta say obviously now in 4k and obviously the equipment some of the equipment they use on tv when they you take yeah. a shot and they'll just instantly come back with all this data it is genuinely impressive now but yeah mm. in like the late 80s early 90s when you're watching on like terrestrial tv and <laughs> you think you think how how is the cameraman looking at that ball it could be it's anywhere just, I know. It could be. It's just, it could just be a shot of the sky. It's like how how have they managed to follow that? <laughs> a really overcast day in Scotland. <laughs> Banging down with rain. <laughs> oh, there he is. Yeah, he's it now. I can tell just by just by the, uh, the the tone of his swing. That's uh, that's ninety four miles an hour swing. That is. Uh, yeah, I can see that. That's going to go two hundred and fifteen yards slightly to the left before it's even at the floor. I can tell you that. <laughs> Yeah, it is ridiculous. But yeah, what what the golf is is a quite a fun. Um, it's not really about golf, uh, but it, it's got a good sense about itself. It's really well presented, and it's for like a kind of zany kind of collection of like little mini games. It's it's quite addictive because what it does is you do a hole, and say you know you've got to get the ball into the hole, and it's like you do that and you pass the level and you can move on through the game. Mm. But you can do the same hole three times and each time it just it's effectively three and one. Like it'll just completely change the premise. Oh really? Um, and then you'll have to do it in like a certain amount of strokes uh, or or then you'll have to do it and then instead of being a ball you'll just be like a truck and you can't slow down and you have to kind of turn around these like really dodgy corners while um things are exploding around you or someone's throwing hot dogs at you or something. And it's effectively like a totally different thing, but it's still classed as the same hole. And of course you kind of get, you do it, you do one, you get like a little tick so you can move on to the next part of the game. Cause there is actually like a game over world. You do it twice and you get par. And if you do it a third time, you get a crown and that's how you hundred percent. So there's effectively like 300 levels in there. And I, I got, love, a- I love games where you're, you're trying to get hundred percent on yes. like little tweaked versions of the same thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of, um, what's it called? Door kickers has that appeal as well. Oh, where it's like, yeah, I just, I could hand, I could stick with just two ticks, but I might go for the third, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I fully intend one day for us to all get together, well, us to get together and just smash through that. Uh, Absolutely. I really, really want to, especially with the lockdown, it's like, um, there's so many games piling up that I think I really want to play this with a group of people, you know? Yes. Um, but yeah, what the golf is, um, yeah, it's a good longevity. You've got about like, I'd say I, I've been playing it for five or six hours and I think I'm like 80, 85%. <clears throat> Again, I finished it and just went back to the start. And because my skill level had upped as I played the game, I went back yeah. and did another, you know, um, few holes. So 
I reckon That's you've sign got of a good game, I think, where you go back to the start. There's a rare, rare games where you just go straight back to the start with your newfound kind of ability and just give it another go to have a new experience. Yes. I love that. Do love it's, that. it's one of those games that I think, will I ever, it's so small, and you think, will I ever uninstall it from my Switch or will I always be there? It was, it's a perennial. Sneaky 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> what would you what say golf- is your favorite golf, legit golf game, as in like golf simulation? Well, that's a bloody good question, Rupert. For years, it was PGA 2 on the Mega Drive, PGA Tour 2. Um, uh, and it still is really, really playable. Turf Masters for an arcade game, because Neo Geo Turf Masters is just untouchable in just how swift and accessible it is. And I would say links to I think it's called Links 2004 on the original Xbox. Mm. I picked that up for like 50p in a car boot sale, and I put it in, and I could not believe how good it was because it was, it was the first console version, and sadly the final version of um, the Lynx games, which had been released mm. on PC for like 10 yeah. years. But and it's Amiga, don't forget that. Oh, was it really? <sighs> yeah, the digitized it's, graphics in that were limited. It is a solid, rock solid 60 frames a second. The, the loading times are instantaneous, and it's so smooth and so arcadey, but with nice. like the depth of a. But then, saying that, the modern games, I think it's the the Golf Club Two, and it's now they've got the license from um, EA, the, the the new Golf Club Three slash PGA. They're so accurate now but then they they are much more apparently they were getting like middling reviews because they were saying this is amazing for golfers but it's so hips deep that you can't as a casual player really enjoy it because you have to have like a working knowledge of the intricacies of golf so i could literally do an episode (laughs) i play so many golf games (laughs) i tell you one of the worst golf games is disney golf on the ps2 it is out it's not it's not fun it's not fun and it's really really tough and it mm. doesn't, you know, like when you play a golf game, you pick it up you t- and it like roughly sets up your shot for you, kind yeah. of aims at the flag, gives you no, none of that in Disney golf. You just always face around in direction, like with like a putter off the, and you're like, what? And then it doesn't tell you like where the winds go in and the, 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 the mechanics to like hit the ball are really awkward. And to be fair, Brit, I mean, given the title, it sounds like a pro simulation. So <laughs> I don't know why it would be simple. Well, it's, it's, yeah, you might think it's like Disney golfers in Disneyland, but it's, it's actually Bill Disney, who is a <laughs> pro golfer in the ceremonies. Uh, so, yeah, that would be my answer for that. And final one before we kind of get back into bed with each other and start. Before we spread our wings. and <laughs> fly, fly into the night. Is TikTok a tale for two, which was a game, tellingly, I had kicking around for a while because, again, I got it sent for review and it was this really cool idea of um, a kind of game of two halves where you you play one, player two. You don't you can play across multiple devices like Android, iOS, um, PC, Mac, <clears throat> whatever, and you, you you choose player one or player two, but you don't sync up. It doesn't play online. You just need another person because you both have halves of a puzzle, which is a really neat idea. Hmm. Um, and it's really cool, but it's kind of so basic. So it's like the first puzzle is there's like an alarm clock and you need to set the right time on it to sort of move on. And one of you has like a newspaper clip and the other one has another newspaper clip and you and you kind of work together to get the um, to get the information you need. And it's a really cool idea, but it always feels like there could be a little bit more. Yeah, I like you're playing it. And I, I remember playing it with Faye and she, I had it on my phone. And she had it on the Switch. And it's clearly a game designed for mobiles because there are so many moments in it when you need to like rotate a crank or 
or like swipe the screen to turn a page, and it's just slightly more cumbersome on a console. So Wait, hasn't the, surely the Switch has got touchscreen controls. Like we played we we played it docked because obviously she had a nice big oh, screen. Right. And oh, I, okay. I faced away from the screens. I couldn't because otherwise I could just look up at the screen and say, "All right, I know what to do now." The the sort of fun in it is trying to communicate to each other what's happening. Yeah, um, and it's really good. It's a really really neat idea. But whilst I enjoyed it, I was never like in the mood for it. Um, so when I eventually got back and, and played it a lot more, I, I did enjoy it. But I was thinking, oh, I wish there was like the overarching story had a bit more depth, or that it was a bit more focused. It, mm. it felt it felt a bit like oh look there's a puzzle you've got to get a train from A to B but the other person's got to tell you kind of where to go and you think oh, I'd, I'd like there to be a bit more to this and especially after playing the next game which we'll talk about now Mad Experiments Escape Room you mm. see the real genius of of working together yes so I don't yeah. know if you want to I've talked for a while so I don't know if you want to kick us off um, Mad Experiments Escape Room so this is it's early access I guess um, yes um. <clears throat> And so it's first-person perspective, online cooperative um, puzzle game, really. So you you start off in a, a room. You're in a kind of mansion, um, and you're going around. You basically have to. It's it's very small actual space that you're operating in, but you're basically trying to work out from clues um, how to advance, how to get out of the room, really, like an escape room. And um, yeah, so but the clues are kind of like you might find them in books or you might find them uh, kind of etched on the side of furniture or whatever. And they're quite cryptic. Well, they start off quite simple, but then they get very cryptic. And yeah, you have to do various things like douse a fire with water. You have to um, connect up these electricity pylon things by setting them in the right order and stuff. And it's really cool. It's really yeah. good. I mean, it's very brief because it's just one room at the moment. But as you say, I think there's a new one coming out this month. Um, and yeah, we had a good time with it because we just had voice chat and we were just working through. And there was a there were several points at which we were utterly stuck and just yeah. thinking, oh, come on. And then genuinely, like as soon as we thought a slightly different way about it, we got the solution. It and I. You know, like it must be doing something right if if it's capable of doing that, like making you get stuck in like in a quite a major way. So yeah. we were stuck for a good because you've got a kind of hour time limit, I think. You can and, turn it off. I think the time yeah. there's I think there's a scoreboard so you can turn on the time limit, which is the normal way of having an yeah. hour, like in a normal escape room, or you can turn it off and do it at your leisure sort of thing. And I think it's up to eight players as well. That'd be baffling, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I thought it was really good. Like, I, I, key, key, yeah. you know, key thing. There were a few because it's early access. There were a few glitches. Like there was one puzzle yeah. part where, obviously, we look. We're in the same in the same space um, online, and it, it was like you said. Oh, I think you said the fire's gone out, and I was like, no, it's still on my screen. It's still there. Yeah. It which was, was which was a bit awkward. But um, there were tiny glitches and. I think it never felt unfair, which is, it was never, when we did find out the answer to a puzzle, it was never like, oh, come on. It was always just kind of, oh, that's cool. And then you move on. Yeah. And it's so kind of like quick that any progress you make, once you do realize it, if you know everything that needs to be done, you can do it in like five, 10 minutes. So once you've worked it out, 
it's not onerous to go back and do it again next time sort of thing. So yeah, it is you, quite yeah, good. Well, to, like, we did. Speed we ran out of time, didn't we? And yeah. we were quite far into it. And then we started again. And of course, within five, 10 minutes, we were up to where we were. Exactly. And, and then, and then you can just say, right, but well, now we've got like 45 minutes to sort this out. Yes. So that was, um, that was very good. I mean, it, I guess, can it be played? I guess it can be played in single player. Um, yeah, there's no reason why yeah. it wouldn't be played in single player. I think I mean, this, it, what I, I think my patience for it wouldn't be as great in single player to be honest i think i don't think i'd get stuck and hang around for that long in single player but when you, there's someone else there it's like you really want to work together to try and like because you're just desperate to activate some part of your brain <laughs> which is gonna actually get on the same wavelength as the developer so he's obviously very clever in the way that they've found a balance between uh, in the difficulty level so yeah, I was very impressed with that. I actually got a really nice email because we, we did it. Obviously, you helped me out for the review for Games Freezer. And then when the review went up uh, like a week or two later, or whatever, I had a really nice email from him just saying, oh, thanks for playing it. And let me know there was another episode coming out. And he just seems like a really yeah. cool guy. He's really, um, on like the Steam forums, he's really helpful with everything. And really still, even after the release, well, you know, as it's coming up to like the full version, really hands-on with everything. Right. So it makes me want to, it's one of those things that I'll clearly now just because they're quite unique games because i've played a few um escape room games they're a, a load for about 40 pence each on the switch and they are dreadful really absolutely just awfully unfinished and dreadful so it's a real breath of fresh air to play one that that is effectively a digital version of an escape room which is something you think would really easily slot into a game world anyway because it's just a series of puzzles yes but also of course it um it shows that it does require like a smart yeah. person to actually design it in the first place, I guess. Yeah. Because There's... you can, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, anyone can make an escape room game out of kind of like Unreal Engine 4 and some reused assets or whatever, but that's not really where the skill is, is it? No. Skill it's is all about like balance. pacing and, and, yeah. and much, much more focus on the puzzles themselves. So, yeah, yeah I really, really enjoyed that. And I, I, yeah, and I had quite a nice kind of creepy atmosphere it reminded me slightly of what is that game sexy brutal um in the way that it's kind of this victorian day yeah ancient yeah. house and you've got and your rep your characters are represented by these like floating masks it's quite odd which is quite funny yeah quite dark and on and also the music was so reminiscent of the batman theme from tim Burton. Oh, yeah it was wasn't it but i had no problem with that because again it'll just Absolutely kind of fit fine. nicely yeah yeah so that was that's good that's recommended definitely Definitely. And it just feels like a bit of a niche experience as well. It was a little bit different to... uh... Niche and nice. (laughs) My two dogs. (laughs) Really? It's my two daughters. (laughs) Um, So have you got... Like, I've still got a few kicking around, but if you want to smash through um, one of yours? Uh, Yeah, I'll just just round off Animal Crossing. uh, Because I was wondering... I think last time I was wondering whether I'd still be playing it by this point. Yes. I'm not still playing at this point, um, but I would say I would say that I got good. I'd say that I just about got value out of it. And although weirdly, even though it's definitely like cemented in my mind, the fact that these games aren't for me, I did enjoy it for what it was um, because I think it's my favorite of those sorts of like life sim type games because 
it does it just constantly feeds you these kind of little mini rewards all the way through and it does give you a fair amount of guidance which is something that stardew valley really did not and um but i've realized that kind of the real kind of meat of the game of those sorts of games that very kind of slow gradual building up of your world isn't really enough to hold my attention and it's like I need those constant like appeals to my uh, attention in in the early game to keep me interested, and of course naturally they they fade after a while at once because it's essentially a very long tutorial, and then after a while it's just sort of pretty much like right you are pretty much on your own now sort of thing, and that's fine. But at that point, that's where my attention starts to wane a little bit. Like I'm Thanks, not Steve. I'm well. Um, I'm not invested enough to care whether I have like um, a camp bed in my house or like a, a four poster bed. Like it doesn't make a difference. And I noticed that, that like I had all these new options, all these different like f furniture items I could get, which are all matching up and stuff. And I thought, well, it doesn't really make any difference to me though, because no one's ever going to see this. Uh, I suppose unless someone wanted to visit my island or whatever, but yeah, uh it just like i'm really the only person who's going to see this and it's and it is kind of cute in its own way the fact that i've just got a camp bed and like a box in the corner sort of thing and some dinosaur bones and that's fine like i don't i didn't feel the need to decorate and create this whole town so you, you see online these amazing things that people have created but i'm just wondering how long did that take and how much grinding well, this is, for me, I mean, I, I actually have a really nice time because Faye plays it, but the way I tend to play games is, yes, there are certain games that I will spend, say, upwards of, I don't know, um, upwards of, say, 20 to 30 hours in. Mm. Um, but but I, I have this a switch in my brain that gets flicked whenever there's a game that has no ending. Like, I've right. never been a fan of games like The Sims or Sim City or or like Animal, because it's it, to me, it's like, well, if there's no, if, if there's just this, there's just this endless journey like yes. eventually it strikes me like online games with which is why i don't play like competitive shooters because what'll happen is you kind of play and play it play it and then eventually you just kind of get bored and stop and it's yes. like i i don't find that inherently satisfying um and but with i think though if you're someone who doesn't play lots and lots of games if you're someone who like does move from one to the next um and like re just really stay at them then yeah. it, it is it is perfectly designed for that. It's almost like yeah. um, it'll tie into what I'm going to talk about next, actually, because it's almost like a like a relaxation thing. You know, it's mm, it's yeah. so it's so kind of hypnotic, and so and also what I what I really like about Animal Crossing is the culture of community that it yes. that it creates. Because people, Faye was telling me that there are people who um, go online and have their own like Twitter channel set up and they help each other and give to, and it just all seems to be this really friendly atmosphere. It's uh, unbelievably wholesome. Because Faye has never, yeah. sorry, to, but because um, Faye has never um, played like a, she's never kind of played a game where you'll get like stuck in an RPG yeah. or whatever. And you're like, I don't know what to do. She, she didn't really realize that there were like loads of helpful people online. You can go on there and they say, Oh, if you do this, this like, w like wikis for games sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so when she, when she was delving into that, she was like, Oh, I didn't realize you could like, you know, she was telling me about like the money trees. Like when you see light out the ground, she didn't think, Oh, if I, if I take the money out this day and then put more in, it turns into a tree and you get three times as much, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, it's like this constant sense of community and discovery that I think is just really yeah. cool. Yeah. 
yeah, I I agree. Uh, I think my problem is is that I don't have the attention span for. I don't know. I'm someone who like likes to play a game to death over quite a short period of time. Like if if any game is over like three hours, then I start getting bored already, <laughs> and and I have to, and I find myself really. You really struggled with Elite, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> but I know what you mean about like um, perennial games, like uh, like without an ending. Like it, it almost makes you feel a little bit anxious because, or, or yeah, you're you're like waiting a... for the moment you'll get bored of it. You, yeah, you're like and the that, enjoyment that's... of it. Like yeah. it's always like in the background. It's like, do I want to play it? I mean, especially because there are so many other games I could be playing. It's like, am I exactly? Am I just passing time? Am I enjoying this? Yeah, I just, yeah, like, yeah, it's I can't. It's an internal conundrum. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I think that's another one of. Um, I think that was after Operation Mindcrime, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I would say, like, it's the closest I've come to really getting on board with one of these games. But I think it's also, it's the, it's the pinnacle, but also the ending for me for those <laughs> yeah. if this is like the best example of the one you enjoyed the most, and you and still I, didn't stick with it. It's yeah. like, yeah, that's me kind of done with it. Yeah. yeah, that is pretty much it. But I I love what it's what it's about. And like you say, I love its wholesomeness. It's almost like by design, it can't um it can't produce any kind of grief or anything like that. Um in a way that, you know, like you, you might have like a community around Call of Duty or something like that. And there might be some okay people in there, but then it's also because of the nature of it, there's always going to be griefers and and people who are uh, have less than pleasant views who will make them known verbally online yeah. and stuff. Whereas uh, whereas something like this, you really there's just no room for it, and there's it just doesn't fit with it at all. Like it, it almost it's like I said, uh, I think last time that it's kind of game that makes people into better people almost. Yeah, I, I will say as well, one of the over my um, the odyssey that I've been on uh, with my brother Transval over the last since the lockdown started a few months ago and playing much more, many more games online. One of the one of the one of the things that really drives a spear through the whole thing is the worst aspects of playing games online are just other people of all the games we played. Every time we come across any other players, it's always the worst aspect of the game. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it can be great. But it can, obviously. I, I, I mean, I play Left 4 Dead a lot, and that <laughs> naturally, I mean, it's only 11 years old. Um, but that, and yeah, it's a, like a mixed bag. Sometimes you get amazing people. Sometimes you just get just horrible racist people. But then, I mean, I know you can say you can block them and and all that kind of stuff. But you shouldn't really have to, you know. It's just putting up with it, it isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that was Animal Crossing. So good well, enough. That leads. I was going to do this last, but that kind of leads in really nicely. The talk of um, not a kind of um, game, a game that you kind of just turn when you just want to like chill out for a bit. Mm. Um, and that for me is, I've realised it's Kingdom Come Deliverance, right? Right. So that game is glacial. Like the the pacing of the game is absolutely glacial, and it's basically a numbers game where you've got like you can wear like I think it's something like. 16 different pieces of clothing and armor like it's just so in depth and but i was playing it and it, and it reminded me of boiling point where it's kind of like a slightly kind of janky game but it's needlessly in depth and i realized that i was basically what happened was 
I think it was yesterday, Sunday. Faye was like, she wasn't feeling well, so she said, I'm going to have a lie down for a few hours. And I said, I'll come and keep you company and I'll check a game on. And I am a nightmare for like thinking, oh my God, I've got all this time. What shall I do? And then I just flick between games randomly and then my yeah. time. Is up. Yeah. So I said, right, just choose one. So I thought, Kingdom Come Deliverance, I'll play that again. I remember playing it and stopping. I can't remember why, but I'll check it on. So I, I loaded my save game and it's really difficult. Games you're 69 hours into this game and i thought good yes and i know i haven't fought the first boss yes 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 <laughs> and then it turned it on and i realized that like i've been playing this game for 70 hours and i haven't fought the first boss yet because i just like pissing around too much like yeah. I, I love finding someone fishing shooting him and nicking his shoes and then flogging him to his wife and and just and, and like just walking along behind people and just shooting them in the head and, and then running off from the police and stuff and <laughs> and it's just <laughs> Like going up not... behind someone, shooting them, and running off. Do <laughs> <laughs> you really or playing just, the hero? Or like, yeah, it's just something about like going into someone's house, and then they give you a quest, and then you wait for them to go outside, lock them out, and then ransack their house, and then jump out through a window into the woods. And, and it's just, it's so kind of sluggish, and there's so many things to keep track of that I've just realised that that's kind of my zen place. Like I played it yesterday for about six hours, and it felt like two. Because the, the again, it's just I don't know if I'll ever complete it because I just think like the main boss, the first boss I came up to, like after seventy hours, was so hard, and I thought I'm clearly not leveled up enough to 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 take you on because I'm too busy nicking apples off trees, <laughs> and 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 I think that's my Animal Crossing. I think Kingdom Come Deliverance, and I know there's a lot of politics behind the developer, but I, I think just I just like pottering around being a like a slightly bland looking man with a bristol accent that's that's I what i want it really yeah i don't know why you wouldn't want that <laughs> yeah so that was my that's my little crossing and i, and I think it's going to be a game that i'm going to just keep coming back to for hundreds of hours yeah. in, in, a, in a very different way to the witcher where i was, right, was going to say because where witcher... i was completely like locked into the narrative and had real emotional investment in the characters in this i just like the sheer sense of freedom you've got yeah there is something about The Witcher, actually, I noticed, was that, because usually with open world games, it's, uh, they are, by design, things where you, like, there is that scope to mess about and toy with the environment and cause chaos in that way. And yeah. it's something, I don't know whether you know whether you can really do it in The Witcher, but it's something I never even considered really doing. I, really, and no. I think that's because the story... And the side quest was so kind of like um, compelling that and I was so into it in terms of like being like like really committed to that character, if you see what I mean, that it didn't really cross my mind to mess about. I felt much more like I was in a storybook in a way, whereas another game, another open world game, you know, like GTA or Breath of the Wild or something like that, it almost like I can lose myself for hours just messing about. um, doing other stuff but i think it's probably because of the quality of the storytelling and the writing i guess yeah absolutely and i and i I like them both like i would probably put kingdom come deliverance flawed as it is probably in like my definitely my top like 50 games of all time because i like i like playing it and it's a game and i should like playing it regardless of the reasons behind it we playing it yeah Concept. yeah and it, it's and i i feel like i enjoy playing it for reasons very specific to me it feels like i'm just a dude 
like an absolute no peasant in this world. I'm not a hero, and I'm just going around hassling people. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it kind of it reminded me a little bit of the in a very very different way the game Elex, which was made right. by I think it was made, was made by spiders. Oh. But um, the Souls like wasn't it? Uh, well. It, I don't think it was. It was more of an open world sort of thing. And I don't mean much... that in a, as a dirty word. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, instantly. But no, it's it was a very flawed game. But because of the dodgy Russian humor in it, and just because of the jankiness, they're kind of things I I weirdly enjoy in open world games. So, yeah, Elex is which is why you love Dragon's Dogma so much. You guess. Yeah, well, I've played through it twice. I was thinking about buying it again on the Switch actually the other day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that game that game is defined by jank it's amazing i absolutely love it i don't know what it is there's just something about if i think it's if you can just work outside of what the game actually wants you to do i just find it inherently funny yeah um yes i did yes like enjoying a game in a very specific way that's unique to you i think that's quite a, a good way of kind of describing why it is that certain games kind of stay with us and do end up being favorites because they have something personal about them yes absolutely action um right let's move on then what's next should we Um, talk about streets of rage 4 yes yes please um, have you played this at all? I, I have. I'm, um, I'm kind of holding off um, playing it because I really want to play it through four-player co-op. I'm playing it with Faye casually, but I really want to play it four players. I have played it, this game a lot. And I didn't even think I... Well, like the first couple of times I played it, I, I wasn't sure whether I liked it or not. I thought, wow, this is... Because... Because I've played other games similar to it, like Russian Bleeds, yes, uh, which is quite different. And I did, I have popped back to Mother Russia Bleeds since playing this. And it's weird. It feels so different to this because it felt really, really too quick. <laughs> because Streets of Rage 4 is actually quite slow in the, in the way that the originals were, really. Yeah. Um, and because, uh, of course, this is the first one for, what, 20-something Six years? Jeez. Yeah, so um yeah, it's um I love the art style. I know it's not for everyone, but I love it. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like what you imagine they were they would like the originals to have looked like if it were kind of hand drawn. Yeah, not um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um and but my problems with it at first was it I thought it's it's sort of lacks variety, it's a bit short, it's too slavish to its predecessors, but actually what it's doing is it's really refining the original game's appeal and i think it's quite clever and quite brave in a way to do that they haven't chucked in a bunch of like extra modes or or whatever and they haven't just stretched it out with a load of story padding or anything like that well the thing is as well with saying like i can understand why people some would think oh it's a bit too slavish just predecessors but then this is a this is a pretty much was a dead genre for a long time it, you know, and yes, we've had other ones that have come, but they've always had like a new twist on things like Mother Russia Bleeds and stuff. And um, what was that awful game? Something just Rage of Justice, whatever it was called. God, that was terrible. That 32 bit Sega Saturn kind of digital. What was it called? It was awful. Raging Justice, wasn't it? Probably Raging Justice, yeah. But I um, look on Wikipedia, maybe. But this was like, this is people were, this was Street Rage 4. 
I did see people saying things like uh, they wanted it to be like um, a really souped up thing, maybe using like Sega's like Yakuza engine and getting all this crazy, like bringing it right up to date. But I thought, well, people don't want that from a Streets of Rage game what, because people who were a fan of that sort of two, two, two point five D side scroll and brawler, there's relatively slim pickings. You've got stuff like um, Streets of Red uh, and, and things like that. But then Streets of Rage was such a specific thing. And because the, the sort of um, series had been, had been dormant for so long, it, 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 I was I wanted it to be close to the second one. And like you say, the the focus on the refinement of like the combo yep. systems and the, like the taking off things like enemies wandering off screen all the time and things like that. Um, because it is by its very nature like a relatively limited, a relatively limited genre. So a lot of the a lot of the real work has got to almost go got to go in behind the scenes. Yeah, I think a lot of the I did watch a developer diary thing of it, and they were talking about how they spent a lot of their time, a lot of the first few weeks and months, focusing on the feel of the combat, like to the very, like to the tiniest detail, like down to like the slight kind of pause in the animation when you hit people and stuff like that. It's like, and they really, and you can tell when you play the game, it feels like one of the old games and i i really appreciate that rather than them focusing on expanding it massively and having like an open world or any of that nonsense then I, it's clear that they did spend a lot of time getting the feel of it right um i think they the people who worked on it it was um some of the guys who worked on the monster boy games but also there was the people who worked on streets of fury which i've not played but um no. they're the they're the developer i think uh i can't i i'm not sure whether streets of fury had kind of digitized graphics sort of thing um i'm not sure how well received it was but anyway they were working on it and they've obviously done a good job i really enjoyed it i've played through it uh multiple times now like when i first played it i was playing on normal and i thought how is this even possible it's so solid but by the end you know once i played through it a few times you know i was playing it on not quite the hardest mode i think second from top mm. difficulty i played through it several times and it's good the way that different characters um kind of subtly change the difficulty but probably only because of just what your preference is that's quite clever really because i found that my personal favorite was adam hunter naturally mm-hmm. and he had a quite good dash punch thing that was very useful and then i played as like floyd the robot cybernetic guy and I, I thought that was basically kind of easy mode, really, because he can just smash people and, like, pick two people up at the same time. And that. Um, and then there, he, Adam Hunter's daughter, I think. Her name's Cherry, yes. anyway. Yes, yeah. She, I found, pretty unplayable, to be honest. So, But, like, uh, our friend Lee said she was the one he... She was the pick for him, so... Again, it's that balance of... It's that balance of knowing what the, what each player kind of wants knowing what the play styles are just from constant research yeah um, and yeah I, I think it's a it's a game that i think people are going to play a lot over the over the coming over the years because of course there's that whole thing about like the unlockables in it so there's there's that reason to keep you coming back the yes. music the music is astonishing it's like it's it's, nice. it's still good and yeah. yeah and i and i think i've got it and i played it and i i've got quite far through it and i and i I stopped because I said I want to I want to really enjoy this game when I'm specifically in the mood for it. I want to yeah. kind of savor it. 
So yes. I'm waiting for that. Like, I really want to play like a, a brawler and then I'm going to just smash into it. Oh, I loved it. I mean, I played it to death on Switch and then I saw it was on Game Pass as well. So obviously I went there for the achievement. <laughs> Good. No problem with that at all. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Blizzard Cube just can't go wrong. With the one. I didn't know if you want to talk about the one. That ties in nicely to what you're going to say anyway. Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom. Yes. Um, yeah. Is it? Is that even the title? <laughs> I wrote that down. I'm just thinking. I get confused between the Wonder Boy and Monster Boy. Yes. Uh, Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom. Yes. Uh, yeah, I could talk about that a little bit. You, you've, have you played this? Yes. No, let me just. I've I played two of these games very close to each other. Is this the one where you can switch it back to the Master System graphics? Uh, I think so. The which one? <laughs> You've played it. I have not switched the graphics oh, yet, right. but that's an interesting. Uh, they they did they did the Dragon's Trap before this, didn't they? Which was a remake of the Master System game. Right. But, that's yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That yes. Right. I'm with you now. Yeah. So you've played you've played uh, their previous one, what the Dragon's Trap? Yes, and I've played this one, which was the newer one they made. Yeah. Yeah. So they're quite different. I mean, Dragon's Trap, that was one obviously that was just pretty much a, a remake. And yes, like you can definitely visuals, yeah. switch the graphics in that. I'm guessing maybe you can't then in Curse Kingdom because no, it's no, not a remake. Can't. So, but yeah, it was really cool actually in Dragon's Trap the way you could switch between the graphics, but also switch between the musics, and you yeah. could do them independently of each other as well, which was pretty cool. Um, that was quite obviously quite um, stuck in the past in a way because oh, um, it was very locked down to the gameplay. Yeah. Like the, I did like though how okay it was locked in the gameplay, but the way they did the visuals and the smoothness of them in the updated version, it did make it feel very fresh. Yes. I, I did. Although the gameplay was locked and kind of the the methods in which you like progress in the game, I did think that oh, this actually, if this was released now, I wouldn't think is this a remake, mm. unless I'd had knowledge of it. It just feels like a tradition traditional kind of gameplay values. Yeah, um, but uh, Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom is much more of a um, a like a sort of Metroidvania-ish type yes. game. Yeah, uh, and a much more expansive. Um, I, I haven't played that much of it yet, uh, and I have my issues with it because there are certain quality of life things in this game that annoy me, like with the controls, uh, right. especially. I, I'm not sure about the controls generally, but also just like little things like not being able to drop off a ladder, not being able to jump down through platforms. These things, are, uh, it, it, I noticed that it's got certain things which you would expect to find in a modern game which just certain frustrations which still feel like they're stuck in the past like like there are certain bits where i notice whether like you'd have like a a moving platform would kind of come to connect with another platform and you kind of walk across but there's because there's like a pixel gap in between your character just falls through and i'm like Yes, well, that didn't need to happen, did it? Because <laughs> that is the kind of thing that happened in 1989 and annoyed me then. Um, but it's sort of unforgivable now. Um, annoyed yeah, I in think, 1989. Yeah, I think, I think that was my, before Operation Mindcrime. I think it was, yeah. Uh, I th- my, yeah, so I'm not in love with it yet. I, I'm struggling a bit with it. To be honest. There, there comes a point in that mm. game, Rupert, uh, which yes. 
where I've been playing it for a while. I think again, I really, really liked it, but I came straight off. I literally played um, what was the Dragon's Trap, and then played that, and I finished the Dragon's Trap. All right. And then I jumped straight into that, and I was I got to a point, and there's a certain bit I can't. You're up in the clouds towards the end of the game, right? And there was a bit that you know you die and you go back really far, and I thought, <sighs> and it was just a step too far. And I've still got it installed because I fully intend to finish it one day. Mm. But again, it's one of those games that because you get so used to the controls and and the sort of intricacies of it, I'd probably go back now and think, oh, actually. Should I just restart it? Because yeah. <laughs> yes. so it's again. I just got so many games to get through, but I really enjoyed it up to a point. And there was a point in that game I can't remember exactly where it was because it was it was about a year ago. But I did think, oh, I just need a break from this for a bit, and then I just sadly didn't go back to it. But it was amazing. I did like it. I I, I think it's more um, kind of it's slower paced than I'm giving it credit for. I think I'm trying to play it much more as a kind of like action platformer type thing when actually it's quite it's almost like every kind of screen or every section is almost like a set of puzzles really and i'm i don't just mean in terms of like actually working out puzzles but also in terms of how to how to get through the screen um without taking hits from the enemies and stuff it's almost like you have to plan ahead so i think i need to switch my brain to fit the game and stop trying to play it like a, like an action platformer. So at the moment it's frustrating, but I think I will learn to enjoy it. <laughs> so I'm on the fence on this one. And I know it's got really good reviews. So I, like it must be doing something right and it looks amazing. So. Yeah, no, it definitely is. It feels like one that slipped me up. It's happened a few times where you played well for me anyway, I, I play too many games of a similar genre and I kind of just get burned out on them. Mm, and I think that's it, yeah. specifically what happened with that. Um, I think I was waiting for it to come out and then we went to Time Up Arcade and for some reason they had like an import copy of it for like 15 quid and, it, and that in Dragon's Trap but it only just came out. So I kind of bought that, played through it and then straight away got the other one and I just burned myself out. Yes, I think it's one to come back to. Right. Um, so yeah, the, well, the next one I've got is a one I'm playing at the moment, actually, with Faye. It's called Red Aces: Wings of the Sky, and it it it's kind of a like a World War One set, uh, like arcade shooter, like sort of you know just behind the aircraft, very arcade sort of um, sensibility to it. Because I have this memory <laughs> of when I was a kid. I don't even know if it was Blue Max or the Red Baron, but I there was a point when I was a kid when I loved flight simulators, but with a more arcade bent to them as opposed to something like yes. really hips deep uh, stuff like bip <laughs> <laughs> and i can't yeah. remember what and i always remember thinking oh this would be amazing with two players you know having the full free, 3d freedom of the sky but that kind of never happened for me mainly because of frame rate issues at the time um and there's been a few times over the years when i've looked at these games that are like the kind of world war one world war two kind of era and that kind of you know the the uh what are they called? Triplanes and stuff. And it, they've never grabbed me. But finally, one has. And yes. Red Ace's Wings of the Sky is really cool. Uh, it's it's like a game release. I played it on the Switch. And it's a pretty solid, like, 60 FPS. It's a really yes. smooth game. Yeah, okay. even in split screen. And it's kind of, I think, with it each... It tasty. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm yeah. looking at screenshots. And it's almost like a kind of cell shaded. Yeah. So it's... it. I'm playing it with Faye because you can choose to be like... um. Sorry. <clears throat> like the allies 
or you know the Germans effectively the Allied or the Axis, and you've got um, the sort of the German side. Obviously, you you play like um, Baron von Richthofen and his close crew, and on the other other side, you're 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 a team specifically designed to take down the Red Baron. So there's 20 missions, and they're all pretty arcadey. Like there'll be things like, um, okay, you know, there's there's 30 enemies, and you just fly around. You've got to take them out. Um, or these these balloons that will keep spawning as you've got to take out, or there's fuel tankers, or it'll cut to like a top-down view and you've got to drop bombs. But it's all done with this kind of really breezy arcade sensibility. You can't, if you turn out of the, um, like the game zone, you know, out of the, it's a pretty large space you have each mission in. But if you fly out of it, you know, you force turn around, and if you, you can't just crash at the floor because you just sort of dive, um, you know, raise up sort of thing. But Right. The controls are really saucy, so it's really smooth, and it's a really satisfying like zoom and shoot. You know, the guns overheat. You've got like a barrel roll, and you've got like a, if you kill a load of people in close succession, you get a, like a the next person. Then when they flash with a skull, you can just shoot them with your pistol, and that gives you a nice point bonus, which, which is just a, it's just a really cool little cutscene. And you've got a button that kind of charges over like a period of two minutes or whatever, and it sends in a squadron of planes to take up one. And it just all feels really fun. Like that sense yeah. of like the missions are really snappy. And it get, I was playing it and I thought, God, this is really good fun. And then all of a sudden, boom, I hit a skill wall. And <sighs> it was like, okay, now take up these armored planes. And I thought, oh, okay. So I was playing it. I think it's mission eight on each, on each one because I've done both sides. And I realized, oh, this is actually like quite clever because you're not just going to breathe through the whole game. What I want you to do is to kind of replay the early missions now that you've got your skills up, get the three stars, get more skill points, ah. upgrade your plane and go through. And it kind of gives it this really nice longevity because the missions are so snappy. You don't right. mind doing that. Okay, that's good. That's good because obviously we've seen games before where you hit a skill wall and it's a grind then to <sighs> get back to it. But if you enjoy the process of getting to that point, then... Then why it, not? It, I, yeah. The game is inherently repetitive because it's just yeah. you're a plane and you're shooting another plane. There's only so much that can be done. But because it's so fun and because it's so smooth and yeah. it's just weirdly satisfying, when you've like upgraded your plane a little bit and okay, you can't do that like eighth, ninth mission, you go back and do the first couple to get this couple of skill points and you kind of breeze through it because and it just feels good. You feel like there's progression. Yeah. Um and also there's a really it's a really subtle thing, but what I really like about it is um there's two things I noticed that I thought, oh, that's a really nice little touch that kind of makes the game is when you're like in a dogfight with another plane, and obviously you can be shot from behind and stuff. When you go through the clouds, as you, and there's like a lot of clouds, when you go through them, your vision is obscured, but as it clears, there's like three or four seconds when you come out the other side before the HUD comes back on. Right. So there's this, it gives you this awesome sense of kind of, oh, hang on, we're like, where's he gone? What's happening now? And yeah. then after a few seconds, it fades back in. It's a really subtle, but really nice touch that has a lot of impact. And the other thing is um, when you're playing in split screen and one of the car one of your the other players runs out of fuel, you can fly through rings to get fuel, but if one of them dies, then the screen just fills out to like a full oh, screen nice. for the remaining player. So that which is nice because obviously you've got a bit more room to play with then and it does give you like a, okay, as long as one of you finishes the yeah. level, that's fine. So it gives you that extra like gives okay. You that, it gives you an edge as well, I suppose. Yeah, yeah that's, so that's yeah, nice. it just feels a really, really tastily designed little game. Is it 60 FPS like in split screen as well? I'm pretty sure it is. I didn't yeah. really notice any. It, it's either that or it's like an unbelievably smooth 30. It just felt. Well, there, that is the key. I mean, if it can't be 60 FPS, make it a smooth 30 because the yeah. worst thing is is when, um, you know, the, there's frame rate hitches and stuff, and that's just the most yeah. irritating. And thing. in a game like that, you kind of it's kind of fast paced. You're aiming at something yeah. in the distance. If it judders, it it, it would yeah. it would I would just be saying, oh, 
Hello. Hello. I am here. Oh, you are everywhere. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Yeah. It does play like fast and loose with the, the historical context of it, but again, it's no. an arcade game. No. Uh... Whenever I think of Baron von Richthofen, I just think of Adrian Edmondson in Blackadder. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's very much like a jelly ho boys. Kind <laughs> of yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of oh, larger than life anyway. But it really, and of course, you've got lots of planes you can unlock and different skins for them and stuff. So, it, really cool game. I, I might have to check. That sounds tasty. That sounds like right up my street. Yeah. Because I do like. A flight sim that does makes no attempt to simulate anything. <laughs> you sort of mean I don't yeah. want to be pressing F two to open the Bombay doors. <laughs> yeah, I I don't want to be pressing Shift and F six to eat some Bombay potatoes, let alone the doors. <laughs> so yeah, I'll uh, see. So that was um, can I quickly because it it yeah. flows on really nicely. Talk about the next one, which is the most recent game list played game of this list I've played called Liberated. Have you heard of this? No. Although it, clearly I'm going to look it up now. It is. It's kind of um. It's a little bit of a jack of all trades in the gameplay department. So it's it's, it's very black and white. Yes, it's, it's it's almost like a kind of blue. It's so like grey. It's got this kind of like dark blue thing to it. Um, it's presented as like a comic. And there's four issues representing four chapters of this story, and it's a dystopian future. Mm-hmm. And the good things about it are the story is surprisingly cool. It's very compact. But what it does is each issue tells you a certain person's um, point of view of this kind of overarching narrative. Mm-hmm. And it is very clever how it's not cut and dry. It, it is kind of like, you know, very, the, the very mixed colors and sort of mixed motives and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I did like that. And the game, it's only it's only about four or five hours long, the game. Um, and I really like, I'm, I'm a big fan of comics. So I really like the presentation. I like the story. I re- the art style is really nice. And the writing is kind of very clipped, very kind of to the point. But like it is in a comic, it's not really verbose. It kind mm-hmm. of moves itself forward. And the game is uh, kind of a, a 2.5D side-scrolling shooter. Where, you know, you kind of like uh, the remake of Flashback was, where you can, yeah. you can aim, you know, a full 180 but it's you're moving left to right, and there's depth in the background. Like and Walker on the Amiga in that regard, really. Very much like Walker. In fact, it is a remake of Walker. It's called <laughs> Texas Ranger. Um, wow. So, it it was, it was the setup is good, and the presentation is good. The story is good, and it's a nice little idea. I feel there's a butt coming here. The technical aspects of that game really, really drag it down. Like the frame rate is never reliable. Um, and even I was aiming and it felt so kind of, do you remember, I think we were talking about this. We played a game. What were we playing? I think we played, um, one of the worst games that I've ever played, which oh, was the Zombieland game. And, zombie, it, and, yeah. it, and it feels like you're never in control of where you're aiming. Like it's always yeah. snapping to something invisible. This was doing that to the point that I paused the game, put down, cause I love playing with the Joy-Cons in a, in the cradle. I, I find it like a really nifty little controller and I picked up my actual pro controller and it was still the same thing, except it was worse because I thought, well, I know this has got like a bigger area and, and it's still, yeah. I'm still not happy with my aiming. And the frame rate is, is really bad. Like, like you say, it's not just like a lock 30. It kind of was all over the shop to the yeah, point that the when, I was, when I was doing some parts of the game, I, I couldn't do them. And I said, oh, why, why am I suddenly crap at this one bit? <laughs> and I realized yeah. it's just because I couldn't, it was like the game was f- fighting against me as, 
to control it. Yeah. So I had to drop the difficulty for one bit in a, in an elevator part, just because I couldn't do it otherwise. Just because of the technical it. issues. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, um, so like the last game that actually stopped me from playing because of technical issues was Mana Spark. Yes. Um, yeah. The aiming in that was weird anyway. I the weird was... aiming was weird anyway. But then one, as soon as you get to like, well just half an hour in and there's more than three enemies on the screen then it just it chugs so bad and it's like this is just lazy because when you you were just talking about the um the the flying game what's it called Ro- uh, red aces Ro- red aces yeah there's a different game called rogue aces isn't there so red aces and you look at a game like that which is pretty and also solid frame rate in split screen as well so it's like <laughs> what is the excuse there is no excuse yeah it, it, it's and there was there was a lot of other like technical hitches like there was one bit where I was climbing across like a cable, and I just pressed down to drop off it as I'd done a several other times in the game, and I was like doing this little hop and I couldn't come off the cable and I was like what, and then like there's bits where you're diving and you've got to, um you've obviously got like a certain amount of air supply to kind of do these platforming you know flick the switch to open the door kind of sections, and a couple of times I was drowning because the controls were so sluggish and unresponsive I couldn't I couldn't make this. The swim, and I was like, I feel like the biggest enemy in this game is the control scheme and the frame rate. Um, and it really bothered me because I thought this could be so a really neat little game, yeah, you know. And the world it kind of set up, the, the kind of world building in it through the story, I thought I'd happily like smash, but what they need, and it's all stuff that need that could be patched out, it really does feel like it could be patched to completion, sort of thing, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it was well. A... You, you know, you long for a patch to certain things. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm I'm still waiting for the patch for Sexy Brutal on Switch. <laughs> that game, and and I know what you mean because I share that pain of like something which. Well, in the case of Sexy Brutal, I know it's a brilliant game because I played it on PC and I know how amazing it is and unique it is. And then so to have a broken version of it is just even more painful. Like, because if it's a bad game with technical issues, then it almost doesn't matter because. You wouldn't play it anyway. This, yeah. But when you know it's good and it's got potential, mm. it's the American Fugitive is the only other time I can think this has happened. Is where I just I thought I really really want to enjoy this more than like I. You almost just think, oh, just release like a, another game or like a massive patch, please fix it. Yeah. Because I want to love this and I can't. So, yeah. um, but again, all these things I always keep an eye on the developer because hopefully they can learn from it. And I was weird yeah. because that game, Nintendo Life gave that game liberated an eight out of ten. And right. I think when a game is fundamentally dicky on like an on a technical aspect, it's it's hard. It's hard to to recommend yeah. it fully. I, I yeah, I agree. And I, but I think one of the major problems with the Switch eShop and to an extent other stores, console digital stores, is the well, complete lack of refunds on um on the eShop and the difficulty in having getting refunds on other platforms means that games like this can come out and there's absolutely no kind of uh, incentive for the developers to um or the publishers to demand like a patch for it because they've got the money and they're not and people aren't able to um talk like talk with their wallets if you see what i mean mm. whereas with something with steam obviously you've got a no nonsense refund you could tell after within two hours if it's completely broken so you'd be able to get a refund no questions asked and and but then and then of course it's going to affect the developer and they're going to be like right okay well people are just returning this because it's a broken thing but 
you don't have that recourse with the eShop, and that's a real problem. And I think it's genuinely the reason why. Do you think that's why a lot of people go switch exclusives? Possibly, I, there could be something to do with that. I don't know whether it's that cynical, but then I do. But I do think with something like Sexy Brutal or something like that, why? What is the incentive for developers to create create a patch for that? Because once they've got the money in the bank, they're not gonna they're not gonna have anyone. It's not gonna go away. That number's gonna stay the same. You see yeah. what I mean? It's never gonna go down. Whereas on Steam, if it was that broken on Steam, people would buy it, people would return it, and then it would be like, right, okay, now I have to do a patch, send out patch notes and have it on the store page to say, oh, it's now fixed, now the frame rate's fine, etc. And then people would be like, right, well, I enjoyed what I played, and so now I'll, I'll re-buy it, sort of thing. Yeah. And I mean, I, I did read about uh, going back to like The Last Sky, which is only four to five minutes. That there's obviously when games are indie games are under two or three hours long and they can be completed and refunded, right? But that's yeah. a separate issue, really, I suppose. That is it, yeah, that is an issue. But you'd hope you'd hope that people who enjoyed the game, there can't be that many people who would genuinely enjoy like a two hour game and then think, oh, let's just get my money back. Yeah, they've paid like hope. three or four quid for, yeah, like, I'll get that back, yeah. Yeah, but it is a genuine problem. I can see why they wouldn't want refunds on the store because obviously for every game that's sold, they you know Nintendo get a cut. Plus, it brings a lot more people, a lot more developers to the store because they know that they're guaranteed money if it sells. Yeah, not going to be there's not going to be that refunding going on. But I think it. I genuinely think it's part of the problem with the eShop and other digital stores being awash with nonsense and nonsense which won't be fixed it is turning into um it it just is turning into the the e-shop is turning into like a steam thing now where you're like there's no quality control no and i and like i suppose it's not so much of a problem for us because we're going to do our research or you know or write it for a magazine anyway sort of thing but I don't know. I, I guess that we're not the people who are going to be putting money down based on what we see just advertised on the eShop, if you see what I mean. But there are plenty of people who would. And, and there's, the there's, money. No review, there's no review thing on there. No. There's no like wait to notice. just like, there it is. Here's a trailer. Do you, do you want it? It's quite a problem, really, isn't it, when you think about it? The combination yes. of no, no way of holding these people accountable on any level. So no reviews and no refunds. <laughs> Pretty harsh. <laughs> Really? Yeah, I mean, I've never really been, like you say, because they're like review copies or games I've picked up in sales. I've never been. But yeah, they're, they're, I can imagine that, you know, even even if like you have a kid and you accidentally buy something for 40 quid because you've left it logged in. Yeah. It's like, how could you? Yeah. How are you going to get a refund for it? Yeah, it is. Dodgy. I mean, I, I get that there is the issue of like review bombing and stuff like that. But I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. I mean, Steam has come up with pretty, pretty uh, intriguing ways of getting around that by you've got so much control over sorting the reviews. So for example, you can see the reviews that have been posted in the last 30 days or whatever. So yeah. you can see where if the, if it's suddenly plummeted and there's like a, it's got like a, a graph, like a running graph to show the average kind of reviews, uh, whether it's negative or positive sort of thing. And so you can see on that graph at what point they, those reviews suddenly plummeted because the developer said, 
that they support trans rights or something like that and then it's like and then it suddenly plummets and you're like well i don't care about that because these are just it's nothing to so, do with the game yeah it's got nothing to do with the game so so you can ignore them sort of thing so there are ways around it there's pretty powerful ways around it so there's yeah. no excuse really and a company as big as nintendo there's no reason not mm. to implement some some kind of star review thing you know well i think that's how they should do it i i, I agree that they probably shouldn't have written reviews because i they if they want to keep their kind of like safe wholesome community then it probably wouldn't be wise but yeah they can at and least also have... you haven't got a keyboard so it would take a thousand oh, years yes. but you know but just can... just a star review thing yeah have a star review and you could have it like broken down into like gameplay graphics technical i don't know whatever and you could do something uh, on along those lines or literally just a five star out of five stars something yeah. and that's it and then have the ability to search via you know like recent reviews or all reviews or whatever yeah no absolutely there should be something because like the the wii u shop was so desolate and then oh, yeah. to, to, to have like the switch where it's just you've just seen like stuff coming in now you look at the screenshot and you think well that's a mobile port uh, you know just from the screenshot of like a, a chef jumping over a log yeah um, and, you, and you think i just want some way of some sort of quality control or some sort of way of sorting this because even when you like try to buy a game as well it's just hard to sift through it mm. yeah because, so yeah it does need to be looked at yeah the curation isn't, isn't the best so yeah anyway so what's next what do well, we talk about next i've got the, i've actually got a load left but what i'm going to do is just talk about um one two three more have you, have you got any left sorry yeah, I've got a, uh, got a couple left, yeah. Oh, no. But you crack on. Okay, yeah, well, the, this one is a quick one. It's one I played. Um, it's not actually out till we're doing this on the, I think it's the 8th today of June, and this isn't out till the 10th of June. So I'm breaking the embargo, but I'm not going to okay. upload this until then, so that's fine. Um, so Isle of Spirits, um, it's one I actually just sent off the review for today. It's I played it on the Xbox One, and it's billed as like a... I'm, you're, you're getting this up, I guess, on the screen to have a little goosey. Isle of Spirit. What, what's... Yeah, not not super supermarket Isle, like an Isle as an island. Isle, isle of Spirit. Of... <laughs> okay. Um, oh, this looks cutesy. Yes. So it's builders like not a... expecting it to look like that. <laughs> it's like Dragon Quest builders. Yes. Well, this is the thing. I I was like, yeah, review that. Like little indie kind of survival, you know, little survival cutesy uh, game, and it builds itself as like a casual, a casual survival game. So, what the game is that you you're a dude, obviously with a full full redhead with a massive beard, good, and you you kind of wash up on the shore. And the whole point of the game is you've got to build a raft and get off this island. Um, and there there are you pot around picking up you know the usual thing like stones and and uh, bits of wood and plants and stuff to to make various things, make an axe and a pickaxe, and you can get stone and you can build a little house and stuff. Um, and why? Hang on, why? Because I can see he's building a house in this picture. Why? If he just wants to build a raft, why would he bother going through the effort of building a house? Uh, yeah, I know. Of getting planning permission from the local council, <laughs> yeah. saving up for a mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you washed up with an island and your wife says right we have to build a raft you say well first of all we've got to save up for a mortgage yeah and you need <laughs> and you're a contractor we need to get you some full-time work <laughs> i know yeah we're gonna do some lying on the applications when we go to halifax um so uh, but i don't know why we're driving to a town in england but well <laughs> so 
So you start off on this island and you've got to build a raft. So obviously the first thing you need to do is go to the Harbour Authority Planning Commission. Um, <laughs> and the, the, you go through, it's very cutesy. And when you open your menu in the game, you can tell that the game is very linear in that you, you can't, all the things are grayed out that you can build, yeah. but they're all things that uh, work towards this raft. Like you have to build a sail, you have to build posts, you have to build items to, to get um, other items to build things for this raft to get off. But the, there's nothing in that inventory or like the list of things you can build that's kind of tertiary, secondary to that. So it's like, okay, this this is a game about getting off the island. I'm not going to like build a flower garden stuff because you can't do that. You can't mine. You can't explore the island because there's no secret tunnels or things to collect. It's all about building a raft. So it's like, fine. It's very direct. That's cool. That's very, it seems very strict about that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this is the thing. It, this, it's against the casual sensibility of it. So I was, I was walking around picking up sticks and I touched... Uh, the coastline, like the water, boof, uh, drowned, game over, start again. And I thought, oh, okay, so <laughs> go into the water, right? that's fine. Um, so then I started again, and I was playing it, and I was potting around, building stuff, getting a pickaxe and stuff. And you've got these three bars, like a, it's like a, a warmth meter, like an energy tiredness meter, and your yeah. hunger. So I was thinking, they, they drain pretty sharpish. So I was like, eating food, and then I was like potting around at night. I'd had like a little torch so I could cut down the trees in the dark. And then the moment my torch went out, my health started pounding down. And I said, okay, so there's unseen enemies in the shadows that get me, right? Okay, so I go back to my little house. And when you build a house, by the way, it's four walls. It's four walls and that's it. Um, so you can't like add anything to it. Because again, it's all about getting that raft. So I woke up in the morning. Obviously, I was hungry because I'd slept. So it's all about this weird juggling act of these meters that you've got going on, like the survival element. And yeah. the casual aspect of it, I think, I assume, comes from how straightforward and accessible it is. So yeah. what happens is you're going through it, and you, I, I was at the point of like building up my raft, and I thought, oh my god, I only need one one more bit. So I was tired, so I thought, well, I'll kip, and in the morning I can get enough wood. I needed like 15 wood to build this final thing for like the mast, and I could just get off the island. And I was like, oh, this is, I played it for like three hours, three and a half hours, and then I woke up, and it was winter, and. I was like, right. And it was quite nice. Everything was covered in snow. But of course, your health, your um, warmth meter just drops the second you leave your house. So I got into this weird, tedious thing of like going outside, taking a few steps, building a campfire and standing next to it till my warmth went up, taking a few more steps to the forest and then putting another one down. And then I was Ooh. cutting down trees. So you cut down a tree, you get five wood, but each campfire takes three wood. So it's this war of attrition against the elements. Yeah. And I thought, this isn't fun anymore. This is that just, just like balancing numbers. It might you, you could yes. play that game on a spreadsheet. Jeez. Yeah, and I and I died, and then it went back to the previous because I died because when you save, it resets to like the previous morning. It's kind of auto saves every evening. But if you die, it back you could quit out the game and go back in. But if you die, straight back to the start. And I thought mm. this these elements do not dovetail to make like a fun casual game because I can't pot around. I can't explore. It's all very much like get the raft, get off the island, but it's there's nothing else to do, so it's just a juggling act of these gauges, and it, it's very weird and it doesn't really work. It sounds quite aggressive. In there is gameplay compared some, with what it looks like. The presentation of it and how it's if you read on Steam, it's like oh, it's casual, you can do all these things, and you're like everything they list on that Steam page that says 
and you get the whirlwinds come after you and you get they actually list every single aspect of the game there but they make yeah. it sound like there's much more to it like yeah. there was a bit that was quite funny where i when it was getting dark and i was walking back to where i assumed my house was on the map and then i opened the map and i thought is it moved and then I closed the map and thought, I must be losing my sense of direction, opened it, and it was further away. And I thought, oh, of course, a whirlwind has lifted my house off out into the ocean. That's what. <laughs> so that, that's kind of funny, but that happened like once. But it's not enough to, to this war of attrition, especially towards the end game, that really yeah. wore me down. That sounds disappointing. Not that I would really had great hopes for it anyway. Mm. The game, because uh, as soon as I hear the name word survival, I just just turns me off. I like mm-hmm. Dragon Quest Builders. I don't know up to they... a point, up to a point. Yeah, up to a point, naturally, until it becomes just a hellish micromanagement game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, the survival thing just doesn't float my boat at all, because I think in order for it to be a challenge, it has to be quite aggressive and nasty and brutal and cruel. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a, a game, if you see what I mean. Mm. It, so it seems weird having a I mean, this looks like Rad Rogers or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, so I won't be playing that. So yeah, I um, it looks a bit early access as well, frankly. But I it played it's just... it played okay. There was a few moments when, like, um, you know, you're walking along and like the, it would be you would kind of get for a split second get, like caught on some scenery or something. But aside from that, it was pretty smooth and it felt pretty full and completed. But yeah, the the problem is again, this isn't. It's not like technical issues. It's just the whole design. Mm. Like, sort of, theme of the game doesn't they don't mash uh, mesh sorry yeah okay okay what's next let's what should, we, should I just quickly uh, oh you didn't you have a couple more that you wanted to mention well the thing is I've, let me just have a quick look i've got a few on this list but some of them are heavy duty like um one i will say is because I've, I've wanted to say this for the last two weeks since i played it is i actually really like rage 2 <laughs> <laughs> I, I quite like Rage 2. Oh, did you? I, in my head, I thought you hated it. No, no, I don't hate it. I, I, I think it's really quite flawed. I like the combat in it. Mm. It's the open world aspect. I think just doesn't really work that well. Um, See, I, I did this thing. So I, I'll do two more because I've got this, and there's another one yeah. with a two in it as well. And the other, the other two I was going to mention, I'll leave till next time. But. I, in my head, basically, I'd actually put myself off playing it because it's on Game Pass because I thought oh, Rupert said this was crap, and that's just stuck in my head. I don't. I remember we covered this in like one of the one of the very first state of plays, and I just had that in my head that you really hated it. So I played it, and I was I think because I had such low expectations because of what I imagined you once saying <laughs> that I was oh. like, I actually quite like this. You know, the, maybe I should just... just say I hate all games, and then you yeah. gotta love them. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, everything's amazing. Um, I think I think my problem with it was. That it was by Avalanche, who of course did Mad Max, which I did enjoy a lot. And then I played this, and it was like a not as good version of it. Uh, and and I wish it had been different. It was yeah, I remember it being the the open world part which bored me. Like getting between places just wasn't that fun. And then very tellingly, about halfway through, they give you like a flying machine thing, yeah, just to get you places much quicker. Almost like they were playing it, they were testing it themselves and said, oh, it's quite boring getting between places. So, <laughs> whereas in, of course, Mad Max, it was pretty cool because you would get attacked on the way and you'd have like this really, really furious battle trying to like um, knock people off the road or you'd use your 
harpoons or whatever and that was that was quite fun but i i remember thinking to myself i really really like the combat in this game like going through the little camps and stuff and yeah. shoot and the feel of the combat was really good and like uh blowing people up. and it was almost like one of those games where um like uh not just cause three far cry three where it's one of those games where you you clear a camp and you think to yourself oh, I, I just want to do that again because i can imagine doing it in a different way sort of thing it's one of them i really liked it what i liked about it was um like clearing the camps and stuff and then you're driving through them later on and you stop and nothing respawns so you have an impact on the world and you you see like you drive past something you think have i been here and you look over and it's just still smoking and smoldering and you think yes i've been there <laughs> and i have fired my gun more than twice <laughs> i have made my mark um so i like that but what i will say was it's really lucky that when i play these kind of like um these sorts of um, like open world shooters is that I don't look for character investment because every single character in that game is the same person. Everyone is like a bullheaded gung ho. Yeah, yeah, come on, let's do this shit. I eat everyone, and and yes. I thought like there's no there's no variety in anything at all. There was a uh, lot of try. I remember there being a lot of like they tried very hard to make a lot of the boss characters kind of wacky, uh, and it was a bit cringeworthy. I found like they'd be dressed up really elaborately, but essentially they're the same character each time. Yeah, well, everyone is the same character, Rupert. So, yeah, so they'd just a... be like a kind of circus freak type person, wouldn't they? Just like roll up, roll up, and see all the freaks. Yeah, yeah. but, but um, yeah, so the whole the whole like present like it was. I really enjoyed the game, but yeah, the whole the whole story. I didn't care about this. Didn't care about the story. Didn't care about any of the people. It was just the the combat mechanics. I didn't mind yeah. the driving as much. I, I preferred the driving. Uh, I enjoyed the driving more than you did, but yeah, the, the real meat is just the upgrading the guns and the, the fun yes. of, and the movement and the combat, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, I will say, I think I played it for 10 or 12 hours. I thought, no, do you know what? I might 100% this. And after a while, I thought, no, I won't. <laughs> I, 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 there was a point where I just thought, no, I want this to be done now. But I really enjoyed that 10 or 12 hours with it. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'd say it was a good game, but yeah. I, uh, it, it's just weird the way that it's not as good as a game which was released like, what, five years before it? <laughs> Yeah, by the same people. Um, I think I'm going to stop there because the other ones I've got, like there's a couple of online ones which I I'll probably play more of, and I'll be able to cover more fully next time anyway. Okay. Uh, so, well, I'll mention um, Bomb Chicken then, because I've had this. You, on talk, you talked about this a few times, and I thought it was a joke. <laughs> it's it, it does almost feel like a joke, and even when you describe what the game is, it, it sounds like a joke because <laughs> um, it got good reviews at the time, and it was um, it's probably two or three years old now i guess but um it's sort of like a, a platform puzzle game where you you can't jump because you're this fat chicken and you uh and you lay bombs so so if, if say you if you stood still and you hit the button like five times then you would create a tower of five bombs and they is this 2d by the way or what is it yeah 2d pixel art size nice. side on yeah so you'd create like a stack of five bombs and obviously the first bomb would go off after a few seconds and then it'd all it'd be a chain of bombs and if you're sat on top then you're going to die so it's your way of traversing the world but it's also your way of like um uh like solving puzzles and stuff because you can do stuff like um you can lay a bomb and then boot it along so it slides along the ground and blows stuff up etc um which is pretty cool I do like games which limit themselves, give you a limitation, and then it works with that, if you see what I mean. 
to um, make you think in a different way and how to solve puzzles. But my problem with it is, is that it is a neat idea, but it's just got kind of nowhere to go. It's, it's like, it's, it doesn't really use its premise well enough. And basically it doesn't introduce anything at any, any extra things throughout the whole game. Cause from the very start, you can create a tower of bombs as high as you like, basically. Right. Um, and you can kick bombs. There's, there's no point at which it like develops something different, like being able to like hurl bombs or I don't know, or get different types of bombs, anything like that. Being able to say, for example, you maybe you could eat something and it would create a different type of bomb, or whatever. Nothing like that. It's all the same all the way through. So it never gives you any other kind of um, abilities. And and so all that really happens is it just gets more fiddly as it goes on. And the problem is, is that when the more fiddly it gets, the more you realise how bad like the collision detection is. Uh. I I don't like games where the rules aren't clear. If you see what I mean, I mean the the kind of systemic rules of it aren't clear. So I was never sure. And I think there are about thirty levels, and I got to about level twenty five, maybe. So I know that it's not going to change dramatically. Yeah. Uh, by the end, but um, I don't like it when, like, it's never that clear, like how close you're meant to be to a bomb, to one of your bombs, for it to kind of kill you because because it doesn't have. Um, like a very clear kind of blast radius it's like a bit random all the time about um, whether you're going to actually die from a certain move you do and I mean I know you don't get knocked you don't get knocked back too far but it's just like it's annoying when you're trying to do something and you can see how to do it but because of the slightly dodgy collision detection it's like okay well I did that exactly as I did last time and it's the, the outcome's different you know so yeah, that's very frustrating. It feels kind of a little bit mobile-y. And I say that because of and that kind of relates to my first point about it never really developing beyond its initial premise. Like it feels so simple that it's almost like a kind of game that you would be able to play on mobile because uh I don't even know whether it's it is so one dimensional. Because it's so one dimensional and it doesn't add anything extra. I always think of that as being mobile games. So yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, I was disappointed with that because it's got a really cool art style and it's definitely got potential and it is quite like the first few levels, you're like, oh, this is cool. Like, there's some good ideas here. And then you realise they kind of run out of ideas and it just becomes uh, it just becomes fiddly. It becomes it, it becomes it requires you to have a precision that the game doesn't does. allow if you see what I mean, like yeah. you've got to be, you've just got, is a difficulty is based on the precision, but the game itself isn't precise enough to allow it. And so that was, that was very disappointing. So again, the biggest, the biggest enemy in the game is the controls and the design. Really? really yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a problem. Yeah, it is a problem. So that was bomb chicken. Disappointing. Yeah. I gotta be fair. <sighs> the title <laughs> didn't, I, I just thought it was like Bomberman, but you're a chicken instead of an alien. So, yeah. I mean, there was the more depth than what I originally envisaged, but yeah, it doesn't sound <laughs> it doesn't sound good. Yeah, it's not worth it. I, um, it, I mean, it, on the plus side, I think it's quite it's um, discounted quite often. But then I I think I'm seeing why now. <laughs> you're not going to buy it on another. You're not going to buy it on PC then. 
No, I'm not going to buy the big box version. <laughs> the limited edition version. Um, I yeah, I've got a couple more, but I'll leave until next time. I I I I'm, otherwise we'll be here for a thousand years. Have you got yeah. any more to? Um, only Wild Guns. I was just going to mention. Oh, nice. Things. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I've been playing that on SNES online, Switch online, SNES. Uh, and this is the Wild West themed kind of. I suppose it's sort of a light gun game in a way, but you're controlling a character as well. It's a really weird. Have you played it? Yes, I played it after chatting with you for the first. It's difficult, it is, Rupert. It is challenging. It is very challenging. But thank God for save states. That's what I say. I was by the end, I was save saving it between every every time I fired my <laughs> gun, pretty much. Um, but it's a really weird control scheme, isn't it? Because you're kind of controlling your character at the same time as controlling. Your it's the first time I've seen this is a game called Cabal um, yeah. in the late eighties in the arcade, and that was the same. That was the same right. thing where you kind of control the target in Radicule and you hold it down, you move it, but then when you take your finger off it, you move. Whoa, yeah, it's um, I, I like it. I it, it's quite addictive, and I I like it's kind of I could do a little bit better than that kind of hook, <laughs> um, and it is difficult. And I imagine if I actually played it on the original SNES, then I'd be sick of it very quickly but the fact that you can use safe states means that you can kind of enjoy the kind of ridiculous um character design and stuff like that and um because it's almost got this kind of steampunk thing going on as well like you get these huge robots like oh god yeah jump jumping in and completely incongruous but yeah (laughs) i did enjoy that so that that's the kind of thing i kind of like to see on the um store on the on the on the snes on on the online thing because you know i've played the big hitters so many times but i know you mean slightly obscure well, things like, like that would otherwise or whatever's on there now just something a yeah. bit different you're like oh you know that could be like a bit of a hidden gem on the system that i've never they wait they need to have cybernator on there really <laughs> you just stop messing about don't they <laughs> yeah. i think they've already got parodius so i know that's not the same thing but that was one that i was looking out for yeah, so um, oh, and I've just started playing Sonic the Hedgehog as well, the original. Of course, you have on what on? Uh, that's on Mega Drive Classic Collection. Oh, nice! Yeah, it's yeah. a good game. That is, you probably like that, Rupert. Yeah, it holds up pretty well. Um, <laughs> yeah. Again, save states useful. Actually, be able to collect all the Chaos em- Emeralds, maybe. So oh god, good. yeah, I've never completed. Yeah, that's a good point, oh, actually. Ridiculous. But I, it, the one thing it, things. I would say about Sonic the Hedgehog is it's a game which constantly fights against its whole speed, speed thing, like especially ridiculous. Marble Zone. Yeah, Marble Zone. It's absolute cruel, and you and basically the slower you go in that game, the better you do. That's simple as that. You've yeah. always got to slow down. It's it's bizarre, but it's quite fun when you play it that way. So that's fine. Um, and the mini game is the best in the series. The spinning kind of sphere uh, is it with the blue the blue and red is that the one? uh it's like top down and you're constantly spinning like a kind of pinball thing and you're bouncing oh, off yeah. stuff um and it feels much more fair than the other ones because of course sonic 2 had that awful um half pipe type thing which yeah. is fine if you've got two players but if you've got a bot then you just can't do it unfair yeah no absolutely because he just tail well literally tails yeah. behind you slightly so yeah so you jump and he just oh, gets okay. hit and he loses rings for you and, and then even if, even if he doesn't it's off-putting that something's just shadowing you the whole time yeah um and then of course the Shadow third the one had wow uh third one had that sort of 
just third person going around the grid. Yeah, which was Faye's favourite one. She loves that. I just, I found it punishingly difficult and annoying. But there you go. Yeah, so I'm quite enjoying Sonic the Hedgehog. And of course, it's got Starlight Zone, which has got the best music ever. I'll have to listen to Except that. Except the Robocop Game Boy theme. <laughs> <laughs> An action biker starring Clumsy Colin sponsored by Skips. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's so everything. What would you, I'm just looking at the list now I've got here. And what would you say has been your game of the week? Uh, I think Street Show Age 4, just because... It's the game I played the most, certainly. Uh, I don't think it's perfect, but it's very good. And the fact that I just keep playing it, and I will play it again, says that it must be pretty good. <laughs> See if I don't. Yeah. Um, I How think. It? Is it Kingdom Come? No, I do like Kingdom Come, but I've got a feel because I've kind of covered that before. I, I'm toy. I'm teasing between. I really enjoyed What the Golf, but Red Ace's Wings of the Sky is good because mm. it's rare for like Faye and I to find like a mod, like well, obviously playing Streets of Rage four, but I didn't expect it to be as good as it is. If you know what right. I mean. So I'm going to say I'm going to say Red Ace's Wings of the Sky. Yeah, I'm going to because that, that is a game was... that like again, if I finish it now, try and tend to with Faye, and then in a couple of months you come around and say, "Oh, fancy blasting it?" Like, yeah, I don't, I do, I have no problem with that. Yeah, I'm so, going to. I'm literally adding that to my wish list right now. So Red Ace's Wings of the Sky, and Streets of Rage 4. I think I would have chosen Streets of Rage 4. I didn't have it on my list. But it's nice to have something different anyway. Yes. Yeah, because it, it's kind of thing that would have flown under my radar. <laughs> they didn't have radar by then. They didn't. They just had people shouting at each other saying, can you see anything, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> Regardless of if they're related or not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Have you got anything you uh, you're going to play between now and the next one in a couple of weeks? I would think I'll play something. I'm getting quite into. I'm I'm eyeing up stuff on Game Pass at the moment because there's some good stuff on there. Uh, what did I download the other day? I mean, I, I, Red Dead Redemption Two is on there. Do I give that another go? This is the one I'm playing online with my brother, and I wanted to spend more time with it before I made my like decision. So yeah. that one. The other yeah, one I, I covered today was Crackdown Three and Payday Two. Yeah. Um, so, but I'll talk about those next time because they're like slightly longer conversations. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'll have a, I'll have a look. I'm definitely. I've, I've downloaded loads of stuff on Game Pass, so I'm just going to work through it. I think a lot of the stuff is stuff that's on Switch as well. So I'm kind of testing it out, see if I'll fancy it on Switch. <laughs> so, uh, I, lo- I love that you just buy things on multiple platforms digitally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. Um, one of the things I'm going to pro- do as well is download and stream. You should try it as well because it's a free seven-day trial and we can just right. uh, maybe next time discuss what we think about it. Yes, whether it works. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm going to give that a go. It's called cool. Ntstream. Antstream. Antstream. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, assu- I'm assuming there's some sort of pun in there that I don't fully understand. Um, yeah, I'm not getting that at the moment. Unless it's developed by someone called Anthony Stream. <laughs> quite unlikely really isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. cool well obviously i love you very deeply and uh, until the next time uh, get those thumbs twiddling <laughs> okay bye for now bye bye <laughs>